Good morning, Madison. Hope everyone is having a great day, and welcome to WSUM 91.7 FM Student Radio. Today, I'm here to run it back with Quint Leal to discuss the NBA playoffs, aka the best time of the year. Quint, how are you doing on this morning? I'm doing great, man. There's so much to cover. The first round was just, it was a delight to watch. Besides some refereeing, everything was just, it was great. Oh yeah, it was an amazing first round. It was kind of really evenly matched. There was no series where one really dominated <coughs> the Nets. I mean oh, the Celtics. Oh, oh. sorry. Uh Shots bad cough. But um yeah, overall it was a really good first round and the second round has also been amazing as well. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, so the first series I feel like we gotta discuss from the first round is the Nets Celtics and how the Nets really just imploded under pressure. Um what do you think their future's gonna look like and what's up with Ben Simmons? Oh, man, that that question, what's up with Ben Simmons, is something that's like on almost every media guy's mind because he just don't know. He's never going to give you a straight answer, almost like Kyrie Irving on any question. But um, with the Nets-Celtics series, it seemed like um, the Celtics just had the personnel to match up with them defensively, and I've never seen a team swarm Kevin Durant with that much. Like um, They were just so effective, and they just didn't let him get comfortable in the mid-range, which is where... It's kind of his bread and butter. He's the best mid-range scorer in the NBA, highest in efficiency and in volume. You know, just the most impactful mid-range scorer. And um, the combination of having Jason Tatum, like, front him with Al Horford switching onto him, Tice could switch onto him. Jalen Brown even blocked uh, a few of KD's shots. It was just too much. Um, sad thing is, um, I thought it was going to be a competitive series. And in Game 1, Kyrie Irving had one of the best games of the playoffs. Dropping 39 and like what, like just like 39 and just 18 shots, super efficient. Almost had his revenge game at Boston Garden, but uh, it wasn't, it just wasn't enough. And uh, Tatum hit a buzzer beater finger roll, um, basically editing all the Nets' hopes. Yeah, I mean, I think after that first game, I still believed in the Nets, but seeing the like Kevin Durant and Kyrie collapse in game two, like going 0 for 10 from the field combined. That's when I kind of knew the series was over because the thing about the Nets is that they, in order for them to win, they rely on Kyrie and Kevin Durant's offensive greatness. And then when they're not going, it's just like, I don't really, it's just like the future or like the winning outcome is just not so likely because no one else really on that offense can really step up because there's not, because all those guys aren't really creators. Like Bruce Brown really isn't a creator. Dragic can't really create for himself. Seth can get open, and he's a great off-ball player, but he relies on that drive-and-kick penetration yeah. from Kyrie and KD. The Celtics just totally outmatched them. It was really an embarrassing series. And also, most importantly, I hope no one compares Kevin Durant to LeBron ever again. Ooh, ooh that's that's tough, man. That's tough. I mean, we weren't – I mean, we weren't – like uh, talking about LeBron like this when his team when his team didn't make the playoffs um, a few times, you know they've missed the playoffs a few times, and you know while he's been in a Lakers uniform, um, and I just feel like a lot of it's circumstantial. But I want to just give a shout out to the player of the series. That actually wasn't a player, but it was a coach, Ime Udoka, who basically took all of his intel that he got as a Brooklyn Nets assistant coach and you know used it against that Nets team. Because pretty much the, the one consistent thing through the years, um, the past few years, has just been those like top-tier stars, not the role players that they have to game plan for. And it was just, like it was funny to watch the Nets like show off how little depth they had how little depth they had and have like three uh, three guards under six foot three try to <laughs> try to guard this like Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Jason Tatum and pick and roll. It was just like they they were so overmatched, and I think next year, um, we'll just touch on this, next year I think Ben Simmons 
Um, if he holds to his word and is a part of the Nets, then I think he'll be um, a transformative piece for like pretty much all, um, you know, for um, from a two-way perspective because he's going to be able to switch on to anybody um, and he's going to be able to push, um, push the pace and transition as a point center because, believe it or not, he plays best at center. It just didn't work in Philly because Joel was there. Yeah, I'm really – it's tough to root for Ben Simmons, especially when it's game four. This is like do or die for your season. I mean, it's an elimination game, and he just all of a sudden, oh, no, my back's tightening up. I don't think I could play. I think that was one of the softest moves really soft. I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this guy had more, like, game day outfits than games played <laughs> this year. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's losing cre- credibility, man. He needs to really, really bounce back or else it's going to get worse. He really does. And, like, he already has that mental block, and I feel like it's going to get worsened by the media, especially with him not even showing up in a playoff game or in any Nets game, for a matter of fact. It's just yeah. it's a tough look on the Nets organization. And also I feel that's just going to create more friction within the locker room. But I hopefully the Nets can bounce back because I'd really like to see Ben Simmons kind of like – get back on track, because I really think he's a once-in-a-generation type of athletic talent. I mean, we haven't really yeah. seen a guy who can, like, push the pace like that and run the floor like that at that height since, like, LeBron. So No, for real. For I real. mean, yeah, he's one of the best transition players when healthy. And he's also one of the most versatile defenders in the league. He can, he can actually guard one through five. He, he literally can. There's no, like, oh, I could barely guard the five. He actually can guard everybody on the court, which is amazing. And fun fact, in 2019, he was recorded at the, as the league's fastest player ahead of Giannis and De'Aaron Fox in fast break. And this guy also averaged what? He averaged more dunks as a rookie than LeBron has ever done in any year in basketball. So, with that being said, I'm not big in betting, but if I uh, was doing an NBA futures bet, I'd, I'd put a little bit of money on the Nets for next year because their stock is so low right now, and I just want to see what happens with that. I agree with that take. I agree with that take for sure. And now I kind of want to switch gears and talk about the Western Conference, especially that um, Say less. that Memphis Warriors series. Uh, game one was very interesting. Draymond got ejected. Clay missed those two free throws, and it was clearly out of bounds on someone on, Memf- on, um, yeah, someone on Memphis, and they still got the ball. But they end up winning the game. So I think that series is going to be really interesting. That game one was arguably the best game one of the playoffs so far. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that series? Man, I think it's going to be a close series. I do see the Warriors winning. I would say more so in, like in five games um, now that they, they won that really challenging game. Because here's the thing about NBA officiating. is like um, when there's a cl- clearly a poorly called game, you can't really do that in back-to-back games without it being obvious that you're trying to give an advantage here, here or there. Um, and the Grizzlies were just given too many advantages that they weren't able to capitalize on, namely, you know, um, that uh, the officials uh, deciding to eject um, and hand a flagrant two to Draymond Green, who is pretty much the defensive player of the year, save being injured a few games, um, taking him out of their taking him out of the fold is really big, but the Warriors bounced back and somehow took game one so I think game two is going to be uh, there's a lot of pressure on Memphis right now because if they lose game two they're heading back to Golden State it's not looking pretty yeah no it was definitely the the refs were I wouldn't want to say on Memphis's side but they did give them a lot of chances to kind of win the game but John Morant played exceptionally and Jaron Jackson Jr. was like lights out from three if he's if he's shooting like that I think this series could definitely go like to seven but I really think Golden State is going to win the series just because they have more 
star power. They have more veteran experience. And with that three-headed monster offensively of Jordan Poole, Clay, oh, yeah. and Steph, like, Memphis has a lot of great defenders, but I just don't think they could slow them down. I mean, Poole had 30 in that game. Oh, yeah. Based on advanced numbers, Jordan Poole is a, has been the third best offensive player in the NBA playoffs. Only people ahead of him is Jimmy Butler and Chris Paul. That's it. So he's been the 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 head of their four of their three headed monster there of all the all these shooters in Golden State. And I just want to give some respect to uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. He um, he really popped off in Game One because he wasn't given the chance to in the Minnesota Timberwolves series where he averaged just 22 minutes per game because the refs blew him like for like 5.5 fouls per game, which is ridiculous. Like. They were just trying to allow Carlton Towns to kind of like get to his bag because otherwise, you know, having Jaron Jackson out there, the Timberwolves weren't really going to get a game. So the the refs can go both ways, and I think game one was more of like compensation for the Grizzlies for how um, how many bad calls they were getting in the in the previous series. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I take it, and just like like more from like a, the philosophy of NBA officiating, how I see it is that. Home court advantage inherently can be a disadvantage because the pressure to play well at home is a lot. And so having like a convenient whistle from the refs will ensure that the games are closer and the home team usually maintains home court advantage. Because that's just kind of how the NBA will be able to milk the money out of its out of its series and have a longer series. So they kind of failed at doing that in game one, but hey, like credit to the Warriors. They they came back and kind of showed the team that they can they show the NBA that they're that they could still do well without Draymond. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that series is going to be really interesting. Just to see the Jaw-Steph matchup is always awesome. And also Steph with that huge play with five fouls, stripping Jaw, and then get getting the steal. Big play. Yeah, that was a huge play. That was a huge play, especially since a lot of people criticize Steph's defense. He moved his feet exceptionally well, great hands, but the five fouls is very risky. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just like a Hall of Fame player right there. It's yeah. a Hall of Fame play by a Hall that, of Fame player. That was a big play, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and now I want to talk about the – Sixers Miami series, especially yeah. with Joel being out. How do you think that's going to affect that series? And um, how do you think the Sixers can bounce back, especially after Game One with Harden only having 16 points? Embarrassing. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sorry, Sixers. I'm sorry, Sixers fans out there, but it's just going to be a tough ride without Joel. Because um, frankly, before the series, when they had a healthy Joel, I was like, I think the Heat are going to win six or five because they're just like. They're one of the most switchable teams in the NBA where they can defend everything. And James Harden, like, usually attacks mismatches. Um, mismatches. Off the pick-and-roll action when they get the switch. But he can't do exactly. that Exactly, he can't Miami. do that right now. And that's the problem is that, like, um, Joel Embiid would be the other guy to go to that would honestly— Joel Embiid would be the guy that would get guys like P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler in foul trouble, or even Batman Abaya, who's the one of the, you know, a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and— Without Joel, I feel like they lose a lot of what their offense is, which is drawing fouls and looking at the officials. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Jimmy Butler has been exceptional in the playoffs. Like you said, statistically, one of the best offensive players in, in the playoffs so far. And also, I want to talk about Bam Adebayo. He had a huge game last night, 24-12, and 12, dishing out four assists. Also, Tyler Hero went off at 25-7. and seven. I think this Miami Heat team is – I think they've just been – Un- not underrated. I just think they've been disrespected by the media, especially because oh, yeah. people have been really riding Milwaukee. And I think they, I think Milwaukee's going to make the finals, if I'm being honest. But Miami's a really tough team as well, and I definitely see them going in the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee, which will be an awesome series. A little redemption, too, especially since they got swept last year. Oh, agree. I don't even know what happened on that 
with last year's series. Like, I don't know how they got swept. But. Well, what happened is in game one, it was really close. Went to overtime. Chris Middleton hit the game winner. And then from there on, it was just it was mm. just not a match. It was like David versus Goliath. It just was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be tough. Yeah. I mean, it will be interesting to see what the Celtics-Bucks series happens, especially with Chris Middleton being out. But in game one, I want to talk about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because they – I think the Monstars took their talent in that one. They like could not hit a shot. How do you think they could bounce back? And if so, where do you see that series going? Because I think the Bucks are winning in six. I think um, people right now are very quick to jump on like, oh, the Bucks took a commanding um, game one. You know, they stole game one, whatever. Um, and a lot of people are quick to be like, oh, Giannis had a great game. Giannis actually had a poor game from the field, 9 for 25. It he was did more... have a triple-double, though, and he came out with the Ws. Right, 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 right. Those things are good, too. Um, but I think it was the role players who stepped up, and it was more so his defensive impact. Uh, I think there was a stat put out there that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were two of twenty from the field when being guarded by Giannis. Um, um, when being guarded by Giannis and Brook Lopez, so I feel like um, the the Celtics have to realize that defensively, this is a different team that they that they're gonna have to go up against because the Nets were undersized and the Bucks are oversized. So I think it's just like this was like a game where they're picking up on um, the difference between the two teams they had to face. And you know, sometimes with a sweep, you get out of the play for a few games and you're not like in that sort of rhythm. So I see the uh, Celtics bouncing back in Game Two and maybe stealing one at. Milwaukee, I think this could be anybody's series. I think we're just really quick to write off the Celtics. Yeah, I agree. And also, I think, I wish Al Horford was guarding Giannis more. Because when Horford was guarding Giannis, he was 3 for 10 from the field. Horford was just doing a great job moving his feet and forcing Giannis out of the paint. to Tough fadeaway jumpers. Why wasn't he? What? Why wasn't he guarding Giannis? Late in the game? Yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta call him. You got to call him. Call right, the Celtics right. coach. Uh, but yeah, I don't know why he wasn't really on him the whole game. Marcus Smart also did a good job making life difficult on him as well. I just think if the Celtics are going to, you know, bounce back from the series and make it really competitive, Tatum and Brown, obviously, that's the number one on the list. They have to step up offensively, hit more shots. I think um, they also got to do a better job of neutralizing Giannis, put some big bodies on him, put Horford on him, put Williams on him, make him earn those points at the free throw line. I think they did a really good job defensively on him. But at the same time, the Bucks role players really stepped up. Portis played well. Grayson Allen has been awesome in the playoffs. I hate that guy. Uh, Drew Holiday's <laughs> been also really been good. also Drew Holiday's been doing a great job defensively, making life difficult. On offensively, Brown not so much. Tatum. Defensively, yeah. Defensively, yeah, he's been actually sure. clamping Tatum and Brown. Also, Wes Matthews has been doing a good job too. I really want to see the Celtics make something happen because I really feel like Jason Tatum could win a lot and I don't want him to end up with a Carmelo Anthony type of career making the playoffs and not really finishing it off right. I'm sorry I love Melo but he I don't really want him to have that as his like career identity but I think that's gonna be a great series no I agree as a Knicks fan like I I, I there is like a maturity stage of Carmelo Anthony where I realized that like I used to talk to my friend who was a Nets fan at the time or actually still is a Nets fan but um I'd be like yo Melo's like top five man he's top five I swear he's like no. And I'm like, I, I slowly realized, like, oh, yeah, he's not. He just has a pretty but inefficient jumper. And that could be Jason Tatum's story, too. Or it could be a winner. So Only time will chance. tell. Only time will tell. This but chance. it's tough to get through the Greek god in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. right. Another series I want to talk about is the Suns-Maverick series. Because Luka Doncic is honestly – I haven't seen a guy play with that much pace and grace. Well, I wasn't alive, but I haven't seen a guy – 
play with that much pace and grace since the great Larry Bird. I mean, he's just dominating defenses. Like, there's no answer for this guy. I mean, he had 45 and 10 yesterday. Yeah, I feel like the answer is tiring him out or hoping he's a bad shooting night, which he is prone to have. You know, um, frankly, I liked how the offense was run when they had Jalen Brunson, <laughs> you know, running the game because yeah. Brunson, before we talk about Doncic, Brunson was averaging 28 points on ridiculous shooting splits. Um, it, it was just a treat to watch in the first round, and he was a reason why they were able to move up so quickly. But in regards to Luka, the the com- the comparison same with Larry Bird and like how he facilitates like LeBron is like it's it's true he 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 is like that um he he's not the athlete so he has to compensate in ways like you know being a quote unquote crafty player also drawing fouls and like getting people frustrated like that's his like go to I think the Suns have a huge leg up in this series because um they just have a team that's been through it all they made the finals and they're all back and healthy together. Luca still has to get, I, I think, fully adjusted to this Mavs team again. I don't know. No, I, I totally agree with you. The Suns are deeper. They're better defensively. And I just think the duo of Chris Paul, that backcourt duo of Chris Paul and Devin Booker is just going to outplay Brunson and Doncic every night. It's really a big three with DeAndre Ayton, if you think about yeah, it. Oh, Matt, too. averaging like 20 per game. Yeah, and also I just think Dwight Powell is no match for DeAndre Ayton, you know? Oh so, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I I like Powell, but he, but Aiton's just role gonna, player though. Oh, he's a great role player, but Aiton's just more skilled offensively. He's bigger, stronger. He's also just a better paint presence as well. I think I really want that series to be competitive, just so I could see more of Luka Doncic. If I'm being honest, as a fan of Frankly, the game, yeah. But I really think the Suns are gonna win that. In, Solid take. NBA loves that for sure. We'll yeah, see more Luka. Yeah. To uh, kick little little magic doesn't hurt anybody, right? Yeah, yeah, but I think not? that series is gonna go five or six. I see the Suns winning it and then hopefully i want to see a suns warriors western conference final but oh, yeah. chris paul versus steph curry would be awesome out. yeah it will be it'll be a great series so now that we've kind of talked about the playoffs and stuff i feel like we should wrap up the show discussing um our nba finals predictions and Ooh. who do you think is going to win it all oh that is good hmm should i go first yeah you I'll, go ahead I'll run, I'll run it so for me the nba finals recently has been it's okay it's had to deal a lot of injuries but if we're just going hypothetically here which team is better and which team will match up the best i think the phoenix suns have the best tools to do to do something great but it's also that that comes from a skepticism about the warriors seeing that they've they've only had the real death lineup together for like um you know probably like less than 10 games at this point and i haven't seen them play a team you know a la phoenix or even the bucks that are like one of those finals contenders. So I'm really, I want to see what that looks like. I think like the Warriors and the Grizzlies are kind of in my back pocket because honestly, all these teams from the West and the, at the top could go toe to toe with any team from the East, like straight up, the contenders. Um, but looking at the East, I think the Bucks Celtics series is going to go seven. I feel like that's what's going to happen. We don't see it right now, but I could totally see that happening. Um, and whichever team you know claws her way out of that series is gonna have to face a heat team that just played four maybe five games so i think the heat may surprise us and win the east and then likely face likely face the warriors or the suns might be heat heat suns potentially or heat warriors um and out of those teams like i'm gonna go with the team from the west <laughs> without a doubt the west has always been stronger these guys are playing tougher competition they're you know they're used to this um so i'm expecting between the Warriors and the Suns, I'm I'm thinking Warriors, going to the fan side of this. Wow! So you think due to fatigue, you don't think the Greek Freak's gonna make it back? 
and lacking Chris Middleton. I mean, I think we're, I think defenses will key in on Giannis and expose him for some for some things. Well, Middleton will be back in the Eastern Conference Finals, though, right? Will he be a hundred percent? I don't know. But I'll take like an eighty percent Middleton over a lot of guys in this league. I think Jimmy Butler would love an eighty percent Middleton. Very true. Very very true. Man, I think. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's like I said, the best quality you have as a team is availability. Right. Really right. comes down to availability. I really see the Bucks still making it back to the finals. I just think Giannis's greatness, along with like the role players stepping up on Milwaukee, such as Drew Holiday, Portis has also been great in the playoffs. Lopez has been true, great true. as well. They just got a lot of great pieces on that team. I think the Heat would match up really well with them, but I just don't see a team like Miami beating uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo four times in a, in a playoff series. So I got the Bucks making it back. I think in the West, it's going to be a Warriors-Suns Western Conference Finals. I think the Warriors are going to take that one, honestly. It's going to be it's going to go to seven for sure. I would really like Chris Paul to be in the finals again, but I think the Warriors are going to take that. I think it's going to be a Bucks warriors finals. Steph versus Giannis. That's actually like must-see TV box office right be. there. That would be. I'm curious how that matchup would work. And I see the Bucks repeating in six. Wow. Very much catering to your student radio audience. I see it. Trying, yeah. to, trying, to, trying to win some more fans <laughs> trying to get, Trying here. to get some fan I love see. out I, there. I see what you're doing. Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. But at the same time, though, I think <laughs> both of our takes are very realistic. Yeah, I think they're realistic. I'm Honestly, like one thing I will say is like Boston is one of the only big market teams left in like the East right now. And I feel like they've just kind of been a sleeping giant where like they had all this um, – um, kind of like 80s, 90s nostalgia, big fan base built on that, and I feel like they've just been waiting for like that next great team, you know, from like I the agree. KG, uh, Ray totally. Allen, Paul Pierce, big three to really step up. So this might be that team, and um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we're just completely wrong and they take the East. Absolutely, but I think the thing with that great, with that big three Celtics team is what did they have that this team doesn't? They had a floor general, Rajon Rondo. Right. And this Celtics right. team does not have a floor general. That is just definitely going to hurt them. That is like, true. When it really matters most, especially down the down the wire. That is because true. that team is so predictable. Because literally, when it's down the wire and like you need a big shot, it's going to go to it's going to go to Tatum or Brown. Everyone yeah. in the world knows it. Everyone in that arena, everyone in the hardwood, everyone knows it's going to go to them. Pretty much, but their the role players are just like, oh, the role players really, are great. Yeah, really stepped up. I'm curious what they're going to do against this Bucks team. Like, we're going to see what they're really made of um, throughout the series. And what, one comment on the um, Jordan Poole thing, um, I think you like this this comp is that um, what Jordan Poole does along with Kuminga and Wiseman is they're going to extend the Warriors uh, like championship window. And make them into a real dynasty that may, you know, we may see, you know, another back-to-back or maybe even another another three-peat. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that potential is still there. And I think what Jordan Poole is, is he's what Len Bias would have been for, um, he is um, the Len, okay, what Jordan Poole is, is he, um, he extends the window and he's like what Len Bias would have been for Larry Bird, you know. I love that comparison. Yeah. Len Bias being um, an NBA player, uh, I think he was the second pick overall, so had had the same skill as Michael Jordan coming from Maryland um, in the late 80s to join um, Larry Bird and the Celtics. And due to a, a cocaine overdose that was like a you know part of the pandemic of the 1980s basketball, um, he wasn't able to suit up for them, and it was a big what if, like he would have extended Bird's career and uh, the Celtics dynasty. So we'll see what Jordan Poole could do as that next guy that's going to step up and 
Yeah, the Warriors' future is very bright. That's for sure. It would just be interesting to see with contract negotiations because right. Poole is going to be—he's going to be able to make a lot of money in this league. True, a lot of true. people are going to want a piece of Jordan Poole, piece of the pool party, as they say. <laughs> right, right. And um, but yeah, we'll see. I really hope he stays with Golden State just because he's been thriving in that system. And I think I'd really love him to see him take over the offense with an older Steph and an older Clay. But, yeah, I think just being around those guys, like Steph, Clay, and Draymond, has really helped his progression and obviously taken his game to the next level. I think he could definitely be an all-star next year. Can I get my first-round shout-outs? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's finish off the show with that little right, first-round right, right, shout-outs. Right, right, right. So I got to give my first-round shout-out. So I do this advanced analytics thing that basically says how good players are at offense, and I got it down to a science. So through the first round, I'll give you my top six booming players. So number one, Chris Paul. Number two, Jimmy Butler. Number three, Jordan Poole. And then he followed off of Tyrese Maxey from Philly and Jalen Brunson from Dallas and Desmond Bain from Memphis. These are the guys that have added some of the most, some of the highest offensive value marks to their team, and they're one of the reasons why their teams have moved to the next round. And looking on the flip side of that, on the bad side of that, who's been the cold as ice players of the first round? We got... Ice, Trey, Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, and KD. So we got to see more from them next year. But, hey, like, there is still way more playoffs to go, and we're going to enjoy it. We're going to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. The DeRozan one kind of hit hard because he did have a great game, too. But then the Bulls just went ice cold from that. Classic Chicago basketball. Really, things just not going right for us. But I'm telling you, as a Bulls fan, we will be back next year. We will be back. Yeah. We're 100% healthy. I really like our chances because we were a great team when we were healthy. We were, like, number one in the East. And then – the injury bug bit us. Lonzo Ball next tough. year, he's he's going to help y'all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big Triple Bs, man. Chi-Town. Triple Bs, man. Can't triple go wrong B's. with that. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into this segment of the Ish Condition Pod. Good luck with your finals, guys. Let's finish out this year strong. Um, the job ain't finished. Job ain't finished. Thanks for having me on. Of course.